0: I'm Brandon, I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm Greg, and I'm a Chelsea fan. I'm JD, and I'm an Atletico fan. And this is. Indirect Kick! Hello, Indirect fam. As the great Brandon Cruzilla, aka Highbury Hunk, aka I'm England till July, aka. I think that's enough nicknames. What's up, everyone? Uh, this is Juan Diego, JD, uh, the man in Madrid, uh, giving you a brief mini-sode. I'm sorry I couldn't, um, be with the boys today. Um. I'm finally using a my really, really good mic, which is, uh, honestly, it's the best mic, and it's too bad I never use it, because I'm always Skyping in, because Greg and Brandon live very far away, and I can't come down every week to hang out with them, because I'm broke. <laughs> but anyway, you do not care about the vicissitudes of my life. I just want to say that I have the best mic, and that's it. So, um, yeah. So I'm here to make the best hashtag content you've ever seen. All right, so I'm just going to do a quick comment on, like, the most important events of the week um, for the World Cup. You know, everything's winding down, and so I think it's time to start talking. Um, And I think the two biggest things that we need to discuss are, of course, Argentina and then Germany. Um, So we'll begin with Argentina. So Argentina... They made it by the skin of their teeth, and they're in the next round. Um, I watched the game. I celebrated Rojo's goal with the same level of excitement that I might celebrate an Atleti goal or even a U.S. goal. Uh, so I was very happy to see um, Argentina go through. But there's a lot to talk about with this Argentina squad, and we'll get right into it. Um it's a good thing that we waited or that I waited because I wanted to do a comment on Argentina after their devastating Croatia loss. But I'm glad I waited and I'm glad that um, the round is over because now we can have a little bit more of an honest discussion about where Argentina goes from here and what they can do. Um, what they did well, what did they did poorly, and what they need to do moving forward. Um, so, uh, let's get started. So, the game was great. I think in general, Argentina played very, very well, particularly in the first half. Although they did start to slip up, especially once uh, Nigeria tied the game. Um, you know, we can debate that penalty whether it was a good call. I mean. If we're going strictly by the book here, you know, Macherano does kind of hug the guy. He does make contact. He does kind of limit his movements. I think the Nigerian player. I think he kind of let himself fall, as they say in Spanish, to the Um But you know, I mean, there's no way to prove, you know, the degree to which Macherano, you know, the, the the amount of force Machado may or may not have put on the player. But nevertheless, it counts, it's a penalty, and they scored. And there were a few minutes where I think the ghosts kind of came back to Argentina, right? And they started to not play well. But they did manage to sort of correct that, and then they took it. They, 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 they sent it home with a beautiful goal from Marcos Rojo. Um, Messi's opening goal was a thing of beauty. It was classic Messi. Uh, it was set up by an amazing pass from Banega. Uh, and then, I mean, Messi, you know, I mean, he was going at lightning pace. He controlled it with his thigh, and then managed to, like, you know, stop it with his thigh, and then control it again with his foot, and then just like nail it home in the top corner of the net, in the opposite corner of the net, all in like you know a split second. I mean, just like all the all the all the characteristics of you know. The greatest player in the world on display there Um, so Messi shined and he played a pretty good game although I think he did kind of lower his presence a little bit in the second half Um, so that's I think my general summary of the game and I want to get down to some specifics here so I think the first thing we have to talk about is of course Sampaoli Sampaoli has been you know taking a lot of crap uh, for all the different wild and crazy things he did, we don't have time to go into the the bad things he did in Croatia. We already know what he did: putting a uh, three back, three men on the back line, throwing in players like Mesa. Um, you know, just I mean, just doing make putting putting Salvio once again as a right back. Um, or I guess he didn't end up putting Salvio up in the midfield. But, you know, Salvio, poor performance. Mesa, terrible performance. All of them terrible. He was using the wrong personnel. And he really just... The guy really doesn't knew what, didn't know what to do with his team. There's no sense that Sampaoli has a clear philosophy. But I want to give the guy credit because I think he made some good changes this time. You know, he was lost in the first two games, but he did listen to some of the criticisms, I think. He didn't do everything I wanted him to do. But he did enough First thing he did, and I think this is the most obvious thing for anybody who watched uh, the the first two games, but especially in the Croatia game, he took out the goalkeeper, Willy Caballero. Excellent decision. Franco Armani should have been the first choice goalkeeper from the very beginning. He was the only goalkeeper on the Argentina national team who had any kind of consistent playing time and who was in top form. Armani has had a great season at River, you know, Caballero is the second-choice goalie at Chelsea. I'm not exactly sure how Nahuel Guzman has been performing. Um, I think he plays in Mexico, so I can't really comment on whether Guzman might have been a good goalie or not. But there's no question that Armani was the was the guy. He was the guy to choose. And for whatever reason, Sampaoli just didn't trust him, and the consequences were there to bear. So he fought, so he did with the right thing, you know, after two devastating mistakes from Caballero, with this, the worst one being the one against Croatia he took him out. He put on Armani. I felt the goal was safe with Armani. He also had very good, um, he, I also kind of saw Armani as sort of a sweeper keeper. He did. He was good on his feet too. Um, so um, I am assuming Armani will remain between the posts for the remainder of the tournament. I hope it stays that way because I think he's a good goalie. And he's obviously the only sensible choice for Argentina at this point. Uh, so a good performance from Armani. I think the goal is secure under him, or at least it's more secure than it would be, ever be under uh, Caballero. So good on that. He had a pretty decent performance. Um, definitely helped to stop some Nigerian balls. And also, I mean, you know, he almost saved that penalty by Nigeria as a side note. He kind of dove to the side and, you know, Nigeria was clever. To, they, they shot it down the middle. Um, but, like he only kind of sort of dove to the side and still tried to sort of stick out his feet so like he almost stopped the ball, but he didn't all right, so moving on from the keeper position um we can talk here are some the other thing I think the other so I think that so the and I think the other big important choice that. San made was to put Banega as a starter. Banega is a great midfielder. He's killed it when he's been in in Spain. He was great at Valencia and he's been great at Sevilla. Played for Atlético for a little while. Banega didn't really shine though. Um, Banega starter, uh, not not uh, not debatable. He had an amazing first half, and of course he was the architect of that insane pass to Messi. He was involved in all these plays. So Banega, without a doubt needs to do that. The other thing that I think Paolo did well was like he went with the 442 formation, which I was really hoping he would do because I was worried that he was going to go back to his um 412 th- uh or I'm sorry, um 4312. Um no. Yeah. No. What? Oh my gosh. 4 4231. There we go. Um and i was and i just felt like that wasn't working you know he put messi in his natural position which is a forward now messi can be a good midfielder and what's interesting is that over the course of the um, over the course of the history of the national team that met when as you know or since messi has played on the national team there've been a lot of coaches that have tried to put him in a midfield role messi doesn't necessarily do badly in a midfield role but it has always kind of puzzled me why there's this tendency to put Messi as a midfielder, um, uh, and, and 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 you know, it's, I think his natural position is just as a forward. I mean, certainly at Barcelona, that's that's kind of what he does. Sometimes they put him, they've put him as a false nine, um, but you know, I think Messi needs to be up front. Messi's a goal scorer. He's you know at Mar- at Barcelona, he's backed by this in- the best midfield in the world. I think that's his natural position, and I think that was a good call. Um so I so I think overall good decisions from San Paoli. When he brought on Pavon, Pavon was also an amazing did an amazing job. He was involved in all kinds of actions, particularly after um uh Di Maria and Banega started to slip a little bit. Um we'll get into that in just a second. Um some of the things I didn't like. All right. So those are the good things that Sampaoli did. Some of the things that I didn't like. So Di Maria, once again, you know, I mean, I get why he put Di Maria back on, b- given how terrible last performance was. Um, and how unsatisfactory. I guess it was, was it Mesa, I think, who replaced Di Maria in the second match. This is something that I need to know. We'll get back. I'll get back to that. Um, But anyway, Di Maria, you know his performance was once again lackluster at best. Um, So not a great performance from Di Maria, which is so weird because he's so good and you know he's he's been amazing in his club career. So it just it boggles the mind. Uh, Iguain was okay, but you know I mean he missed a clear chance. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Sorry, Iguain, you're a great player, but there have been too many instances where you've not come through when 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 it mattered and look i'm not a professional so you know all i do is talk uh but i mean come like i know i know what i i know what i see and what i see is is you you know not cutting it um i want to give credit to Macherano here because i think Macherano takes a lot of crap and i even gave Macherano a lot of crap um Macherano was very involved in this game. He wasn't always the best. He didn't always have like the best footwork. His passes were not always precise. He didn't always hold on to the ball as well. But he was active. And I think he played well. Um, the other thing that I think Macherano did well, and this is actually this actually has nothing to do with the game. I think that Macherano displayed very good leadership. Um, as Argentina was going through sort of this terrible week that they were having right after the Croatia game. Um, as you can imagine, the press was hammering the national team, and it was just absolutely horrific. And the Argentine press are brutal. And Macerano is often the target of these criticisms, right? Because he's always linked to the the, the 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 purported, you know, club de amigos, Messi's friend club. Again, I don't know to what extent that exists or is true. I think it's probably. I mean, I guess with with uh, with this with with uh, with the state of sports journalism today, I would say that it's probably a mixture of the two. I don't think Messi is like you know the secret dictator of the national team, who tells San Paoli what to do. But I do think that Messi does have an important say. But I think that, you know, Macerano, he gets a lot of criticism, but he really showed great leadership skills. And, and And what I mean by that is, you know, I watched a press conference with Macerano where I think he very calmly defended himself and defended the national team. And it was in a way that I thought was very convincing, very honest, but not sounding too petty or bitter one of the big criticisms has been that there was this rumor that basically Sampaoli had had no really had no control of the of the squad anymore and that they were now in open rebellion against him and that they were going to make the decisions and macherano basically went to the press and said look there is no rebellion but at the same time The coaching job, the job of being coach is not a dictatorship, right? Any good leader, any good coach seeks input from the players. There were reports of this big conversation, this big like team meeting that was had where Sampaoli basically said, okay, what do you guys think would work here? What would be a good formation? What position are you guys comfortable in? Macharano basically said, look, this isn't the sign of a guy who's being weak or who's being an ineffective leader. This is the hallmark of a good leader. This is somebody who seeks input from his players because at the end of the day, it's the players that make the things that make that make it happen, not the coach. And the players have to feel comfortable in what they're doing, and if they don't have the confidence in what the coach is telling them to do, then the coach needs to seek input from them. He can't just ignore them and, 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 and treat them like, you know, they're his lackeys or something, right? I mean, that's not how this works. This is a two-way street. So Macherano I think, did a really good job with that. And I think he did a good job, you know, to just sort of calm people down, particularly in Argentina, and say, look, it was bad. We acknowledge it was bad, but we're going to get through this. We've, ju- we've just been given a great miracle from Nigeria against Iceland. They've given us an enormous opportunity to turn this around, and that's exactly what we're going to do in the third game, and that's what they did. So, you know, Macerano's a good leader. I think he's been the captain of the national team before, um, and to be honest, I kind of wish we would see this from Messi a little bit. Messi is the captain, and I don't know to what extent being the captain involves some kind of media presence or... you know. talking to the public, but I actually think that this is something that I criticize Messi for. Messi has often been portrayed as this sort of, like, nice, humble guy, and I'm sure that he is, but his silence, I think, sometimes works against him. And I think Messi could benefit as a leader from kind of making his opinions more known to, to, to the public, because I think through that, the public will actually support the team better than if they're just sort of, if everything is just sort of lying in mystery. I know that nine times out of 10 players should ignore what the press says, but sometimes if you ignore what, the, what, what is being said, things can get out of hand. And that's why I credit Macherano for really kind of being like, all right, everybody needs to calm down. And I think that's exactly what he did. And now the press in Argentina, at least from watching some of the reactions, and reading some of the articles they are taking a little bit of a step back they're saying okay there's still problems with this team there's no doubt about it but let's move on um so we'll see what happens with that um um now i guess the the last thing to say i mean i think i mentioned already pavon had a great performance um So we don't really need to cover that. Uh, I guess you know the the last thing to talk about is just the future of Argentina going forward. Um, I mean, as 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 lucky as they were, and as good of a performance as they put on against Nigeria, you know, going moving moving forward into the tournament, I think, you know, in some ways, I just I have extremely mixed feelings because on the one hand, I'm thinking to myself, you know, with this kind of inspiration and this kind of turnaround, and with Messi leading, I mean, Argentina could go all the way you know they 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 could be a very scrappy chaotic team but one that you know with the right level of inspiration and especially if those extremely talented players can 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 click who knows what they could be capable of so on the one hand i think that although i do have to say that there is kind of this again the team is chaotic i've mentioned before the the apparent unappeal of players like dibala and Lo Celso to Sanpaoli, which boggles the mind, because these are two, DiBala is one of Argentina's best forwards today, and Lo Celso is one of Argentina's best midfielders today, and they're just sitting on the bench. When Dybala came on for Croatia, he didn't have a fantastic game, but he did start to get things moving a little bit. I do have to wonder what Dybala would be like playing with Messi or even playing with Higuain and maybe putting Messi kind of on like, sort of on the wing. Anyway, I'm not the coach. I don't want to get too experimental. Certainly this team doesn't need any more chaos. But my point is that this team is all over the place and they're playing against France next. And all accounts indicate, just based on who's more in shape, that France should be the team to win it although france has not exactly had a comfortable route to the second round either um so this is what i mean is that i think while france looks to be the more the better organized team the team that's let that is less chaotic this might not necessarily happen so i think the game is wide open and we'll see what happens. And if the and if Argentina can get through France, then I think, you know, at this point, at that point, we could easily be talking about a champion uh, a championship winning Argentina. But it just, you know, again, who knows? Because but I think that given how poorly Argentina have performed, France is really going to be I think obliged here to put on a good performance. And I don't think that Deschamps is going, I mean, I know that the guys at ESPN FC have said this. I forget the guy's name, Um, he was a Scottish international, credit to ESPN FC where it's deserved, but he basically said, look, if Deschamps can't beat this team, then he's going to be in trouble, and maybe that's true, I don't know, but, you know, I think they're both disorganized in different ways, although if I had to pick a team that was a little better organized, I think it would, of course, be France, so we will see, but that'll be an absolutely incredible game, Um, and we'll just see how things go moving forward. So I think that about sums it up for Argentina. So I think the next thing we got to talk about, of course, is the big upset. Ladies and gentlemen, Germany, Mannschaft, Deutschland, der Fußballspiel, the soccer game. That <laughs> doesn't make sense. I don't speak just Spieler, I think, as players. It doesn't matter. Germany is out hashtag predicted it, hashtag told you so, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. If you guys go on my Facebook, you'll see that I've shared a post from as far back as 2017, or excuse me, December 2017, where I said that Germany would go out and Sweden would place first and Mexico second, and that's exactly what happened. Um... I don't have nearly as much to say about the German thing because I haven't been following Germany nearly as much, so I can't give you this like very detailed breakdown because I'm I'm not really rooting for Germany. I've never been very interested in the German national team. Uh, not that I think Germany is like a bad team or whatever. They just I'm not like a fan, right? So I haven't, you know, I just haven't been following them as much. Um, but I mean, I did watch the Mexico Germany game, and I did watch the Sweden Germany game. But I didn't like study the tactics as much. Um, but I mean, I can I can tell you right now that there are ga- there have been gaping holes in the German defense, and the German team is just not organized, especially out in the back. I mean, the amount of space that they leave open because they really I mean this is a German team that really presses high. And it is interesting, you know. This is this is so different from the, the the Germany of old, you know. Because Germany, for so many decades, was known to be this very physical, very defensive team, and all of that changed, like post two thousand. You know, when the Germans had their great, you know, renaissance of football, and they transformed their academies and and, and did all they needed to do to 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 change their style and win a World Cup. Um but you know for all that glory it just didn't work there were a lot of gaping holes at the back at times cross was really the only kind of link up between the defense and the midfield and it, he was the only guy that was there really and it just it just it broke apart we saw that against mexico we saw it against to some degree against sweden and then this Korea game, I mean, oh my God! Both goals scored in the in, in 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 stoppage time, but the second goal, I mean, Manuel Neuer, what were you thinking? I mean, what is up with goalies in this tournament, guys? Like, goalies are just doing dumb stuff. Like, they're just they're just they're just like, what are they doing? It's like there's this disease. Who knows? But they really I mean they really it just it's 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 it boggles the mind. So what did Neuer do? Well Neuer basically, you know, it was it was stoppage time. Korea had scored. Neuer thought, well obviously like my boys need to be offensive here. We need to all push men up. We need to score. We need to just overwhelm the Korean defense. So I, Manuel Neuer am going to just move up front, but he kind of moved up front before any of his defenders did, right? Like he didn't wait for like his midfield and his defenders to kind of push up before he pushed up. No, he was like way up there. He was like handling balls. He was like making passes. He was like practically at the box and there was like one or two, like one defender. And so of course... The Korean team was like, the goal is the goal is wide open. So they just chip the ball over the non existent German defense who all have guys at the box. And the Korean forward, you know, he's just got he's just got an open net. And he just trots his way to the net and just slides it into the back of the net. And it's just, you know, a fitting end to a disastrous German team. I mean, look, I know that you were losing in stoppage time, Manuel Neuer, but that kind of, that kind of thing just is not acceptable. Like, at that point, irrationality is setting in. Here's the other thing. Why is Neuer the goalie for the German national team? The guy who was injured all season, didn't play at all. Why is he the goalie? Look, I know that that's a tough break, but that doesn't mean he should be on the team. What happened to Ter Stegen, Who is the best German goalie today? Teschdagen on the bench. It just—it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, look, Germany's out, and um, I think the only thing that there's really left to say about this is you know that it, I do wonder. You know, like I, people have talked about this curse that exists. You know, where the champion gets knocked out in the first round. It's happened now in every world cup since i think 2000 or er, since 1998 with the exception of 2002 2006 so basically 98 france won the championship then got knocked out in the first round and there was one exception when brazil won in 2002 they didn't get knocked out in 2006 in the first round they got knocked out in quarters but that's the only exception in every other case from 98 all the way to 2014 The team that won in the previous, or excuse me, 2002, since 2002 to 2014, the team that won in the previous World Cup gets knocked out in the first round. I do wonder what's behind that, because I feel like this has happened enough times now that it's worth studying a little bit, you know? It could be overconfidence, it could be... The, the unwillingness from some coaches to experiment, to really try a new roster and make a new team. Look, it's not easy to build a new team. But it's clear I think I mean I can the best example that I can, the one that I'm the most familiar with is the Span- the Spanish example. If you look at the Spanish team that, that was called up in, in, in 2014, I mean, it was almost player by player. It was almost the exact same squad from 2010. Very few differences. And especially the starting lineup, pretty much the same. Del Bosque brought the same guys to to Brazil as he brought to South Africa, and it didn't work. You know, the golden generation from 2008 to to 2012, it worked three times, but a fourth time, maybe not. You know, you wonder if maybe the formula needs to be shortened a little bit. Maybe they need to sort of revamp the whole thing every two years, as opposed to every four years. I mean, let's get real, you guys. Four years is a long time. I mean, think back to four years ago in 2014. Think of how different your lives are. I mean, four years is a long time. A lot happens in four years. A lot changes for players in their lives, their physical condition, um, the general state of their, their, their game. I mean, just you know, four years is a long time. So, look, I'm not a coach, but you got to wonder. You got to wonder. Is Do we need to study this? Do we need to see what is it that lies at the heart of um, these early exits for championship teams? I don't think it's really just a coincidence anymore. But anyway... um So, I think that's all I really need to say. Um, Brazil are in the next round. Mexico, by the way, bad performance against Sweden. Sweden destroyed them. Um, So, now Mexico has to play Brazil. You know, I had Mexico down to go to the quarterfinals if they had topped the group. But now that that they've played second, they're playing against Brazil. I'm not sure if Mexico's going to be able to beat Brazil. Um, But who would have thought that... Germany would beat Sweden, or that Mexico would beat Germany, or that Korea would beat Germany. Or that Japan would beat Colombia, right? I mean we've seen everything in this World Cup. It'll go down in history, I think, as one of the as a great World Cup, I think, you know. Um, because, you know, the games have been exciting. We've only had one game that was zero zero. That is quite I mean that is quite an achievement. Uh, so far in this World Cup and you know I love underdog stories and I love an underdog upsetting a big team but I have to say that you know sometimes when an underdog upsets a team that's not always like an actually good game like sometimes you know an underdog will play very defensively to compensate for its lack of ability up front or in the mid if they're playing against a powerhouse and so that doesn't always make for a good game even if they come out with a shocking result. But I feel like in this World Cup, the underdogs have not only outperformed themselves and shown that they can take it to the big rivals, but they've actually played well too. So, you know, this World Cup is full of surprises. I mean, this is what the World Cup is all about. Um, So I'm happy for these teams and I think, you know, let's, I mean, let's keep it coming, you know, this is just, this is the best time, you know, this is what we, this is what we football fans, we soccer fans, we we wait for, you know, this is, this is the big one. So let's enjoy it. A um, lot of great games coming, Spain, Spain, Russia, Portugal, Uruguay, uh, probably Brazil, Mexico, you know, France, Argentina, I mean, just great, great, great games. Um, so this is going to be one heck of a tournament um so i'm looking forward to it um tomorrow will be the last of the groups will be decided um england versus belgium that's going to be a critical game i think because i think that depending on who gets placed where that could really carry uh, the individual teams forward for example let's say colombia places first and japan places second and then Belgium places first, and England places second. I feel like if England is second, they'll play against Colombia. My prediction, by the way, is that Japan's going to tie with Senegal, staying in second place. Colombia is going to win their game again. Or yeah, sorry, no, Japan's going to tie with Poland. Excuse me. Um, and then Colombia is going to beat Senegal, and Colombia is going to clinch first place. Japan's going to be in second. Um, so if Colombia is in first, and then England is in second, then Colombia plays England. I think Colombia is going to beat England. Um, however, if it goes the other way and England is in first and Belgium is in second, um, then England has, will play Japan. I think England will definitely be Japan. Um, but you know, it could go, it could go the other way too. Um, Colombia could be second. And then of course that would just be the same, that would just be the same result. So my point is, you know, this could really, you know, if, if England plays Japan, then they you know then then we have a situation where um they could go extremely far in this tournament um and who knows what would happen at that point england would play brazil in the quarterfinals that'd be pretty tough i mean assuming brazil beats mexico um but like i said this tournament is wide open folks and who knows who knows what's going to happen um But those are my predictions. Um, I feel like Belgium is probably going to do better against England. I think Belgium's probably going to win, but you know, we'll see. I mean, neither of these teams have really had serious tests yet. So, I think those. I think those two teams. I think Belgium and England need to take that game seriously. I don't think that they should, you know, be lazy about their third game just because they've already qualified. It's very important that they do well in these games to, to determine their place in the next round. So, Anyway, but that's all I think I have for me. The first round will be wrapped up. I guess it will be wrapped up tomorrow. And then we will have, a one, I think it's one day of rest until we get into the round of 16. And that's when the real World Cup begins. Um, so stay tuned, everybody, because it's going to be one hell of a ride. Um, all right. Well, that's that's everything from the man from Madrid. Um, and um, I will see you guys again uh, very shortly. Um, so thank you guys so much. Make sure you subscribe to our Twitter, our Facebook. We're always putting up updates. Um, and that's it. Love you all kindly. Thank you for listening. And be well. And enjoy the World Cup.